Well, if you guys did not realize the importance of one person, uh, Ray is not here. And so Ray usually handles all the media and all the, the, the slides and the sound and everything. And as you've already seen, it's been kind of like, ah, you know, so, um, <laughs> so forgive us. It's not going to be as smooth as whenever Ray's here. Obviously, I have a lot of reverb coming in. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll just kind of take care of that. You guys doing good today? Good afternoon. Uh, we are uh, welcome to Palm Sunday, if you would, uh, the, the day, the week before Resurrection Sunday, which is Easter. And uh, just, you know, everyone's, everyone's just so excited to be here. I just love that. It's so cool. Um, you know, I'm pumped up. I'm ready for Easter. I know it's going to be a great time. And, um, and we're just excited and ready. Last week, uh, actually yesterday, uh, I went ahead and uh, I don't know if you've if you've taken up the challenge of if you if you've taken any of the cards home if you have some cards in your chair those are for you to take home and pass out. But yesterday we have uh, put some cards with some kind of burlap string on there and we have 400 cards to pass out, which for the scheme of like church advertising is like nothing. But, you know, I said, we're going to pass out these cards. And so I know the way God orchestrated it. Everyone had to work or everyone had something going on. It was okay. But I ended up having to do 400 and some cards by myself. I got past 200. I was like, I did like half of them in uh, like two, three hours. And so it was so cool because I got to go to this part of Corpus that um, God's really been laying on my heart for about over a year now. And I've just been kind of staying away from it, staying away from it. And then uh, just the other day, God was like, you know what, like, like you don't have the church doesn't have to be next to that place for you to go and be something in that area. Like you don't have to be, you know, part of that neighborhood. And so yesterday I went out to the Lindell neighborhood that's just right behind Ray High School, right behind my hood, right where I, I grew up. And I walked the streets there in Lindell. Have you ever been around the Lindell neighborhood? Basically, Lindell was a senior center, rec center, where us kids used to go smoke pot all the time when we were in high school and, you know, do other bad stuff. And then the neighborhood around there is just kind of riddled. I've never smoked pot, by the way. Uh, you know, <laughs> wow. And so um, the neighborhood around there is just riddled with um, drug addicts, drug dealers. Uh, it's riddled with kids who were just, you know, just being brought up, you know, just in a bad environment, abusive families, single moms trying to get by. Um, it was, uh, but it's, it's amazing because in this dark community, in this, this, this area, there is a, uh, there's a couple of amazing places. There's a Hope House for single moms coming out of abusive relationships to help them get back on their feet. There is the, um, there is the, uh, the uh, recovery uh, commitment uh, in court, an institution that helps uh, in people with AA and NA classes and helps them get recovered. There's a house there. And so in this darkness, there's already little glimmers of light. And so as I'm walking the streets, I mean, I'm meeting these guys who are like obviously on the heroin addicts and then they're all like messed up. They get the, 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 the spider veins are popping down everything in their arms. I'm talking to them like, hey man, so like, what is the one thing you need the most? And he's like, man, I'm just talking to him, man. And I met this single mom. And her son, uh, his name was Sonny, just a, a cute little kid. And I was talking to her, and she's like, no, I just came out with a beautiful relationship, and, you know, just trying to get by and try to, you know, grow in my, in my life and do the good thing for my son and, and, like, just amazing things. And then as I was walking back to my truck, I was meeting all these people, right, these people from, from the, you know, the projects. And I call them the projects because they're like quadplexes in one in building, you know. 
And I was walking out, and this little kid came running from across the street, said, Pastor, 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 right? And I'm like, okay, he's going to shoot me. And so he's like, Pastor, right? And he's all like, hey, can I have a bracelet, right? And so I got, I had a couple of these Impact City bracelets, right? And so I gave him another one, and, and I was like, hey, man, did you get your, your invite card to your mom? And she was upstairs, I guess, recovering from a high or something like that, but she wouldn't come out. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, but I was looking at him. And the, the, the driveway was, was muddy potholes with old cushions from a couch. And it was, it was just sad, you know? And I'm thinking, he is so happy, though, to see someone from the outside coming around just loving on him. And I love that. You know, as, a, as, as, a, as the people of Christ, as a, we're not above anyone else. Like, like, you and I are not above anyone else. We are equal. We are just as equally sinners and equally filthy and as anyone else. But we are called to love people. And that was a moment I got to just kind of love on a kid and just kind of tell him, hey man, you know, it's so cool to, to be here and I hope to see you guys again. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but it was so awesome. And then T said, man, my mom's so excited about Easter because uh, he saw the car. And I said, that is really awesome. You know, really cool. And so we're just praying for that community. I, I mean, I felt burdened to be there. I felt like it was a place that, uh, that God really wanted us to kind of start focusing in on and hopefully you know we maybe we can go do a a, a big outreach or something there at the park barbecue and you know, throw up a changa do something like that and uh, have a good time so that being said with those people coming around and then everyone coming out for easter we were scared because i don't know if you notice you have more chairs in the room uh we're anticipating a lot of people for easter which is awesome it's a God-sized amount of people, and it's going to take a God-sized amount of participation and involvement from all of its church members to make sure this Easter is one of the, the goes smoothly, one of the best things possible for this church. So you guys really need everyone to kind of step up on, on Easter. There's going to be a sign-up sheet in the back. It's a green piece of paper back there. Sign up for a job, if uh, a responsibility or something, and then on Sunday morning, next Sunday, it, it's, it's, no, we're going, to, we're going to hit it hard. We're going to get here early, set up the baptismal uh, for the people getting baptized. The barbecue pit's going to get going. They're going to get the little pop-up tents going. Then we're going to have to still set up this service. And I don't know if you've noticed, if you haven't looked at it, go to the children's area. We just expanded the children's area today. And so we've actually doubled the size of the children's area. So if you guys go look at that, it takes a lot of work to get it done, but it's so worth it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Enough of that. Let's get back to the message. Um, last week, uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how God can, can change the way you view things. That God, once you become a follower of Christ, that he changes your worldview. The way you think and the way that, that you believe changes. And so we talked about week one, we talked about really hard stuff, talked about relationships. That was tough. He said that once you become a Christian, the way you date and the way you, you uh, relate with other people changes. The way you think changes. Then we went on. We're talking about something a little less uh, hard to talk about. We're talking about money. And we said that God will change your view of money. And it went from being a selfish, and, and, you know, what, what God can do for me, what I can do with my money, what I have, and what I need, versus what can I do with my money, how can I honor God with this money. And if you have kids, and you were here last week, and they have cavities from all the Skittles that we threw around last week. Uh, if you weren't here last week, watch the video on YouTube. It was pretty cool. Um, I'm not responsible for that. Okay, if you're in this bill, I am not responsible for that. You, you have full control of what your kid eats. Zachary had like you know, pockets full of Skittles. He's like running around. And so we have a lot, and we had a lot of Skittles out here. But we asked these three questions. 
We, in regards to relationships, in regards to money, we ask these three questions. What does the world say about it? Like, what does the world say about relationships or about money? And then we ask the other question, what does the word say about it? Like, what is God's word? So you got the world saying one thing, and you got God's word saying another thing. And then we ask the third question, if you know what the world says about it, you know what God's word says about it, what are you going to do about it? Tough questions. Very important questions, because whenever we start uh, coming around a new belief system or a new type of lifestyle or a new type of trend or whatever is on going on at the moment, when we start changing what we believe and how we view things, we must always ask ourselves those three questions. What does the world say about this? What does God's word say about this? And what am I going to do about this? And today we want to take those three questions and just kind of move them forward in the next part of this, this series. When we're going to talk about what does God say about our purpose in life? What does God say about our purpose in life? And this is a tough question to begin with, right? A lot of us deal with this question. You wonder, man, what is my purpose in life? What do I have to do? What is the reason for living? What is, what is the point of my existence? Why am I here? Why am I around this world? If I'm so special, then why am I doing special things in life? Well, am I so important, then why am I, you know, if I'm supposed to be so important into the plan of God, then why am I not doing something important with my life? You know, what is the purpose of my life? And I think that all of us might have asked that question at least once or twice, and we might have our own answers to that. And I think the world has its own definition of, of what that is. But I want us to challenge ourselves and ask us this, is that we believe that we are more important our purpose is more important than we actually know in the whole scheme of things. See, God's word says that we have a purpose that is much more important than the purpose that the world tells us we are for. See, the world will tell us that our purpose is ultimately to be happy. That your purpose in life is to make sure that everything in your life is aligned just right, just so that you can be content and happy and everything be good. Unless that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you happy. I'm just saying there is something more that is above and beyond your happiness. Because listen, happiness is fleeting. Happiness will go away. Happiness is a is a is a feeling that one day you're going good and you're happy and then you're boyfriend or girlfriend wakes up with you or your car gets hit in your front yard like mine did a couple of weeks ago and, and then you're not happy like seriously <laughs> that's no hobble dude you're mad you know and that is not happy and so if, if the world says that it's just to be happy you know it's fleeting it's going to end the world may also say that as long as you have everything you want in life then you're good as long as you've accomplished everything you want in life some people say, like, oh, man, I want to have my, you know, three-figure salary coming in. I want to have at least, you know, two cars, a really nice sports car, you know, and a big, nice, lifted-up, jacked-up truck. I want to have a four-bedroom house, you know, two-car garage. I want to have a boat. As long as I have all those things, then I am good. I am set. I am successful. It's called the American dream, right? The American dream, come to America, have all the things you want, and live as happy as you want to be. <clears throat> The world says that that is your purpose in life, to sustain your own happiness and to make sure you're good. In fact, most people will say that this uh, life to live, that this model of, of a life is just, I'm content with that. And that is all that I need. And the world says that as long as you have that, you're good. In fact, most people will follow this timeline in their life. 
Uh, they're born, right? Everyone's born, right? How many of y'all were not born? Okay, everyone's born. You come out kicking, screaming, crying. You live a decent childhood. Most people want to have at least a decent childhood. Most people have a pretty jacked up childhood, and that's okay. There's, I mean, you know, there's a love, and there's grace in that. There's, there's ways to, to be encouraged there. But most people would desire to have a good childhood. Okay, most people want to have a decent high school life. You want to go to high school and have a decent life there. Um, most people want to have a fun yet regretful uh, college life. You know, when you go off to college, you do all the things that you shouldn't do, and you, you neglect the things that you should do in college. We have that type of life. Then the next step in our timeline is we, should, we want to get married. We want to find a special someone, right? We want to settle down because daddy wants babies and mama wants a daddy, and then you know, everything goes on. We want to get married, and everything has good. And then after that, we want to have, find that long-term job. Everyone wants to find that one job, that one career that they can say, yeah, I can put 30, 40 years into this, this company, and retire like a fat, happy cow. You know, I want to, you know, put in so much time. I want to find that perfect job. And then after you find the perfect job, you get married. Then you have a few kids, maybe, you know, three, four, five, six. If you're like the Douglas 12, you know, you want to have all these kids. You want to have all this family. You want to grow. And then you want to retire from that job. And you know, you're just like, man, I just want a condo in Florida. You know, I just want a place to go. I want a timeshare where we can go and just relax. Or maybe you just want that country home where you can say, hey, my house is paid off. I can sit my front porch, drink some sweet tea, enjoy the evening, and relax. Everyone wants that. That's, that, that's, that's what, what people want. And then, you know, the, the ultimate thing is maybe to watch the grandkids grow up, you want to have kids that grow up and, you know, where they have kids and those kids grow up and you want to see those kids go off to school, go off to college, and maybe, maybe even have great-grandkids if you're lucky enough. And then we die. Right? And then at the end of it all, at the end of the day, boom, the last breath fades out and we die. And somewhere along the way, we're hoping and praying that maybe at some point we might have helped someone along the way who did something nice, maybe we gave to charity one day. And then if, as long as we did something like that, we consider our life to be a life of great purpose and it was fulfilled, it was happy, I was content, I was never in a point of discomfort, I was never in a point of mass, just, just you know, you know, um, suffering at any point in time, I'm okay, I'm good. And for many of us, that's it. And that's the life that we want. And there's nothing wrong with that life. In fact, God's word says that he wants us to have a good life. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Don't go back and misquote me and say, man, Pastor Felix said that we're supposed to have a jacked up life and we're to be godly. Like, don't say that. Like, seriously, I will get in so much trouble. But God's word says differently about that. He says that's good. That's great. But there's ultimately a bigger plan involved in that. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis 1.26. I want to go back to the very start of creation. I want to go back to when we were made. So if you don't have your Bibles, you have some on the edge of the, of the seats. Um, I didn't get a chance to put it on the screen this week, so I'm sorry. If you have a version or a cell phone app, pop it out. We're in the ESV. Now we're going to just kind of read through this together. I want to go back to the start of creation. It says this in Genesis 1.26. says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. 
Just they got said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and all over all the earth, over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. Side note here, okay? There's a lot of people that will preach this text in a context that is totally messed up. And this is kind of a side note. This is your pastor kind of watching over your flock here, okay? Because a lot of us will go on TV and we'll watch guys like on TBN and stuff, and they will use this scripture to say that you are a quote-unquote little God, that you have all the power of God, that you have everything of God, you deserve everything that God deserves, because he says that he makes God in our image, and how can God recreate something that is not a God? That is a wrong, demonic teaching. And if you listen to that, you need to stop. Side note, sorry, I had to go there. Guys like uh, Creflo Dollar teach this, and it really irks me because it leads so many people down the wrong path. And I'm tired of seeing people live with this self-entitled attitude that God is for them, but ultimately God is also for them, but through his own purpose. See, God is ultimately for God, and through, though he is for God, he, we are blessed through that. So our mindset shouldn't be to bless ourselves. Our mindset should be to serve God. And ultimately, as we serve God, with wholeheartedly just sacrificially giving and serving to God. Then ultimately, he takes care of us through the byproduct of our serving. Sorry. So, side note. I have severe ADD, by the way. So God created man. This is verse 27. You're like, I know. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Both male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to him, listen, this is, this is what God said. This is the first thing that God said to man. To be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every little thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the earth, face of the earth, and every tree with seed in it with fruit, and you shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens. And to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has everything that has the bread of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, he said, it is good. So the purpose that God gives us in Genesis is this. He says, okay, I have made man, and it is not good for man to be alone. Obviously, we do dumb things. And so he had to make a smarter, more intelligent being, <laughs> the woman, okay, because they are smarter than us. And so he makes woman, and woman comes over, and she's like, oh, don't touch that. It's a cactus. You know, don't sit on that. It's a cactus. And so she's there taking care of man, and God says, you and you together make more of you and you have fun at it and while you're doing it in case you get hungry here's a plant here's a fruit have dominion over that oh and by the way the animals are also going to reproduce and procreate so you need to manage them aka hunt them and use them for food or whatever you need and whatever you want and then that is your job simply exist and be happy and take care of the things that I have given you. Simple text, simple things that we should understand. Exist, recreate, be happy. Manage what God has given you. Simple text, right? But there's something more. Which, by the way, that is a very cool job. All right? 
See, later on, the, something happens. In a few chapters later, Eve is in the garden, and she's walking around, and the serpent, the snake is wrapped around the tree, and it starts lying to Eve. And she, it literally tells Eve, and she believes the lie, that if I do what the serpent wants, I will have everything that God has. Hence the fourth, you know, the little God sin, and that's why it's wrong. You see, it tells you that you have everything God has. Okay, so Eve listens to the serpent, and the serpent says, listen, Eve. If you bite of this apple, or this fruit, it's not an apple. If you bite of this fruit, you will know everything God knows. And you have everything that God has. And he's like, yeah, I kind of like that. You know, and so Eve takes the, the fruit and eats it, and then offers some to her husband, who's probably staring at it like a butterfly, and takes that fruit and eats it too. And now sin enters the world, ultimately cursing all of us from here to eternity. God comes over and says, what did you do? And, you know, and she's like, oh my gosh, we're naked. And so, and then God's like talking to him. He's like, oh no, now because you've sinned, you've screwed everything up. Now from here to eternity, you're going to have sin in your life. And all your children are going to bear forth from this. Now I have to think of uh, the ultimate plan here. And so God says, because we are separated from him now, he, he banished Adam and Eve from the garden. He set them apart, ultimately separating us from God for eternity. He had to send a rescuer, a plan for us to, to reach each other. And what is that? A plan for us to have another connection with him. What is that plan? That was Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He sent his son Jesus, a perfect, spotless lamb, to come down into the earth and to be born of a virgin, to be perfectly blameless, sinless in every way. And then he was to live a life 33 years into it, he would be executed. And upon that execution of Jesus on the cross upon Calvary, uh, that was the, the ultimate payment. It served as payment for our sin, for what you and I do and for everyone in the world. Pretty awesome story, right? But here's where we come in. This is where we come in. This is ultimately where we find our purpose. Turn with me to Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18 finds us at the very end of Jesus' kind of life here on earth. He has been dead. He was buried. Three years later, he rose again. And then he walked around for about 40-some days, hanging out with people, talking to people, kind of witnessing to people and just hanging out with people. And the very last day, he gets all his disciples and, hey, homies, come up here. We're going to go talk for a little while. We're about to leave. You check it out. I'm going to tell you something one last time. And they go up to this mountainside and he's talking to them right and he tells them these next few words and it's in these next few words that we find our purpose here this is matthew 28 18 it says and jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. He says a couple things here. He says, your purpose now, before I leave, I'm going to tell you my one last command. Your purpose now is to go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them all that I have commanded you. To go make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them all I commanded you. By the way, baptism is next week. 
If you need to be baptized, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've never been baptized, come talk to me. If that's something you're interested in, it was an amazing day to do it on Resurrection Sunday to be baptized. And that's something we do here in Pax City. We believe in baptism and understanding it. Um, by the way, if you've been baptized as a child, you're not really baptized. Uh, I hate to break it to you. You might as well just take a bath. Because baptism is, comes from whenever you fully understand uh, what Jesus has done in your life. And when you surrender to Jesus, that is when the next step, then you become baptized. And if you were baptized as a child, you cannot, you can barely talk, much less understand the death of, that, of Jesus and what the price he paid for your soul. So they'll be like, hey, Pastor, I want to be baptized. I'll already baptized as a baby. Yeah. Actually, you can still get baptized. It's not like a roll. Lightning's not going to come down. It's not going to, you're not going to like die. It's okay. I was baptized, you know, when I got saved as well. So, side note, sorry. I told you, ADD, big time. This is crazy going on here. Okay, so our purpose in life is not to so much self-serve, but to go and serve others through this term called making disciples. Making disciples and, and baptizing. That's exactly what we do here at church. Okay, so making disciples. Now notice Jesus didn't say, all right guys, I'm going to go up to heaven. I want you to go out. I want you to get a billboard. I want you to put it up over Damascus. I want you to kind of just hang it up. I want you to have lights. And I want you to draw people in. Okay, I want you to have set up a big place. I want you to draw people in. And I want you to, I want you to spread my word through mass evangelism. He doesn't say that, does he? Now, did he do that? Yeah, he just did. Jesus was like always talking to people, but he said to, to make disciples. He didn't say like, hey, I want you guys to spread my word by having the most amazing, awesome church service you can possibly think of. There's nothing wrong with amazing, awesome church service. He just, that's just not what Jesus told us to do. He didn't say, I want you to go out and, and, and through a single prayer, lead people to Christ. Lead people to me and just have them say one prayer, give them an awesome gift bag and say, go on your way. Good luck with that. He didn't say that. He said, make disciples. Our main purpose, our main reason for living, the point of you having breath in your lungs is to make disciples of other people in the world. You are now a disciple of Christ. You are a follower of Christ. Your purpose is to multiply that and to make more disciples in life. What is making disciples? How do we make disciples? If you're here in Impact City, for any amount of time, that is our main purpose in Impact City, is make disciples. Our focus is make disciples. It's meeting with people and loving on people and, and walking with, in life with people and growing people. It is a painful, hard process, and it's a slow process. It doesn't grow in mass numbers, but it is a process that works, and it grows deep roots into the foundations of people's souls. Make disciples, because that's what Jesus said. If you want to know how to make disciples, you know, enter this four easy steps on how to make disciples. If you take a note, jot these down. The first thing we need to do for making disciples is to share the gospel with them. Simply share the gospel with people. Mark 16, 15 says that, And he said to them, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Notice how he said, he didn't say, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to just the people you like to hang out with. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the people that make you feel comfortable. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the people who have a lot of money. He didn't say that. He said, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. 
both the people who make you feel comfortable and the people who don't make you feel comfortable. This ain't easy to do. This is not easy to, uh, this last week on Thursday, I flew up to Dallas and I was in Dallas for the whole day. I was at a, a, a pastor's meeting up there. And flying up to Dallas, I was listening to a sermon. And, and the guy was saying how, like, it, sometimes he just wants to be secluded. He doesn't want to talk to people, but God always tends to put people in his way where he has to kind of talk to them about, you know, kind of make disciples, kind of share his faith, you know? And I was thinking, like, wow, like, I haven't talked to anyone on this plane. Because I hate talking to people on planes because the ears start popping and, like, you can't really hear people very well. I'm like, they're talking to you, like, and, like, I don't know what they're saying to me, you know? So I was like, okay, I'll talk to someone. I'm taking a cab. I'll talk to the cab driver. So I get off the plane, right? And I get in the cab, and it was like this really mean-looking girl. And she was just kind of just sitting there, you know? Yeah, a girl. And she was like sitting there, and she was like, where are you going? I was like, uh, 3333, Washington, whatever. And she goes, okay. Boom, boom, boom. And then, boom, she starts saying, I'm like, so how's your day going? Kept driving. <laughs> I'm like, wow, uh, Dallas is great. How long have you been in Dallas? You know, it's just like. I've been here all my life. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, and, and so, and I was like, so uh, you know, I'm starting to like get a little nervous because she's not responding to my 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 my, my just simple kindness, you know. And I'm like, oh, let me just kind of you know do something. Like, hey, you know what? I said, you know, you're a pretty good cab driver, you know. Like, you know, you're kind of good. How long have you been cab driving for? And she's like, quiet. I'm like, okay. And so I started asking, hey, so so there's a lot of traffic in Dallas, and she goes, not a lot of traffic out right now. And I was just like, okay. I'm like, wow. And so I was like, I was trying. And so it's kind of like, you just, like, you just miss the target. Every, you know, every time you try to shoot, it just like keep missing the target. And I, just, I kept messing it up. And it was so hard. It was awkward. There was that moment where I had to pay. And she looked back at me. I was like, oh, crap. You know? like, it was scary. It was awkward. It was just terrible, right? But does that, does that give me the right not to try to share my faith with her? No. I had to try every time. Even if they push you down, you have to try because that is the first step of making disciples, to share your story and to share your faith. And you might be wondering, you know, how do we share the gospel with people? How do I, how do I share the gospel with people? I don't know the gospel. I don't know much about the, 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 the gospel. But it's simple. This is, so, this is so easy. You just tell them your story. Just tell him your story. You know, I bet you if I would have just started telling this lady my story, she probably would have had to listen to me, for one, because we were in the car and trapped. You know, she's not going to bail out and leave me in the way. You know? uh, like, which she could have. Um, but you just tell him your story. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I can't just tell you, hey, you know, my life is pretty crazy. You know, or, you know, maybe you might say, my life was good. I thought it was good. Everything was going all right. I had this great life. I mean, I had a good job, everything. But something was missing from my life, and I realized what it was. It was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know what you view about Jesus Christ, but let me just tell you what I view about Jesus Christ. And just tell them that. And in your story, the gospel is embedded into your story. It is woven within the chapters of your life, because now that God has saved you, that is the gospel. He has redeemed us. <laughs> and if we just tell people our story, the gospel goes along with it. So don't use the excuse like I don't know scripture, Pastor. I don't know. I don't know that stuff. I, I don't know how to. Like, I don't know how to do it. Tell me your story. I always say this here in, in church that a story preaches better than a sermon. I would rather listen to someone tell me a story than hear someone preach a sermon any day, because stories connect. Stories are personal. Stories have meaning behind them. 
And that's why I think we need to, we need to be sharing uh, the gospel with people. The second thing you're taking notes, we need to live life with them. Just live life with them. Just go out and do something. I mean, it's as easy as working on a project together or going and working out together, going on a run together. Okay, if you're running with Giancarlo, you probably won't do much talking because he's going to be like way down the line. It's like, <laughs> just go run and talk to people, you know, like do something, uh, eating dinner with families, bringing people together at your house. Hey, come over to my house and let's eat dinner. Or hey, I made a big, you know, casserole because we're Baptists. Uh, I made a big casserole. Come over and try some of that. Um, spending afternoons at a park with another family, hanging out, getting the kids together. I can't tell you how many people we have met in our lives through our kids. Because their kids break the silence. They break that awkward moment. And as soon as they engage in their kids, and we, the parents have to talk. And before you know it, the parents are hanging out together, going on family trips together, barbecuing together, and stuff like that. That is how we, we grow disciples. We make disciples by living life together in community. It's what we preach here in Impact City. This is awesome. I love Sunday mornings. But this is not the, the heartbeat of the church. It's every day during the week when we call, we talk to each other. Maybe some of you guys call each other, hey, man, that's a million dollars coffee or something like that. And that is going to build each other up. Maybe some of you ladies are like, ah, you want to go shopping? You know, whatever. That is community. That's building each other up. So we've already told them how Jesus changed us. And now we're showing them how Jesus changes by living life with them. When you live life with someone, they see the change in you. Have you ever known someone who has been changed by Christ and you knew them before Christ? They see a difference in you. But not only do they see a difference in you, if you meet a new person and they know that they don't know you're a Christian, your Christness, your your love for people, your love for the gospel, all that should come out of you and they should eventually see it in you. You say, man, what is so what is up with you? And you're like, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm like, yeah, I thought so. I just don't want to say it, it'd be weird, you know? Like that is people see it when you live life together. So we've told them how to do that. Um you know, and it's all over Scripture. Like when we, like when we think about it, it's all over Scripture. These are just a few points here that it, it talks about living life together. It says, "Outdo one another in the showing honor." It's Romans twelve ten. It says, "Live in harmony with one another." Romans twelve sixteen. Uh, uh, love one another. Romans fifteen fourteen. Have the same care for one another. First Corinthians twelve twenty five. Be servants of one another, Galatians 5.13. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.12. I like or 6.2, I like that one. Um, comfort one another and build one another up. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.11. That is the essence of disciple making. Comfort one another and build one another up. It doesn't look as pretty as you want it to look all the time, but sometimes it's necessary. It says, be good to one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Put up with one another in love, Ephesians 4.12. If you're taking notes, I'll, I'll, I'll post these on Facebook later. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5.21. That's hard for us, man, because we're prideful. Um, forgive one another, Colossians 3.13. It's hard for everyone because we're all selfish. Um, confess your sins to one another, James 5.16. That's hard because we're all prideful again. Um, pray for one another, James 5.16 as well. Love one another from the heart, 1 Peter 1.22. Be hospitable to one another, 1 Peter 4.9. And uh, meet one another with humility, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Living life together is embedded in the Bible. And when we, when we walk together, when we show humility with each other, when we love each other, when we have those kind of open conversations with each other, we grow as people. Don't beat the mistake of secluding yourself. 
like that one pastor was saying in his sermon. So he secluded himself so much. He didn't want to have anything to do with people. He didn't even want to talk to people. And he went to Colorado one day. And on the, they're like, I just got to get away from Texas. He's a pastor in Texas. I got to go to Colorado. He said he was on the ski lifts. It was him and his wife. And he had like his beanie on and his glasses, goggles on. And he's like, this is great. No one's here. No one knows me from church, right? And there was these college students that are sitting like right next to him. And they were like, hey, how's it going? Where y'all from? And I'm from Texas. I'm like, oh, gosh, we're from Texas, too. And he's like, oh. And then the wife goes, really? Where are you from? And then the pastor said, like, and I could see it coming. Here comes God to slap me, right? And so they're like, we're from Austin. Like, we're from Austin, too. And, and so they're like, hey, can we tell you about, uh, you know, this church in Austin? They're like, well, we already go to church. Like, Where do you go to church? We go to the Austin Stone Community Church. Oh, God, we go to the Austin Stone Church, too, right? And they didn't recognize it because he had everything on, you know? And they were like, you know, they were talking. And she goes, where you know, we're, you know, we're this family. They're like, oh, my gosh, that new pastor, blah, blah, blah. The point of that is to say this, is that God will always bring people around you. You just have to be willing to look for that. So we've told them how Jesus changes. We've showed them how Jesus changes. And the next thing is that we need to explain how Jesus changes through proper theology. No theology. 2 Timothy 2.12 says this, and, you have, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men that means teach to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This means proper theology. I'm not saying you have to go be a biblical scholar. I'm not saying that you need to have a PhD in doctorates in hermeneutics. I'm saying know a scripture. Read your Bible. Understand the story of God and his, his great redemption plan for us. Know that whenever you tell someone about Jesus, they're going to have questions but we got to answer them with good answers. So don't be like, well, I just feel like it. Because I just feel good. Like, that's not a legitimate answer to give people. Tell them, well, because it says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess your sins to one, like that, that is what you need to know. The Apostle Paul speaks of this later on in the same chapter. And I love the way the New American Standard Bible says it. This is uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent. To be diligent means to be on purpose, on point, with strong regard to really understand what's going on, to really do it well. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Accurately handling the word of truth. That means before you start quoting Bible verses to people, you better know the full context of them. Because anyone can take one verse and twist it to mean what they want it to mean. I've seen it done plenty of times. We need to understand the full context of Scripture. We need to understand why we're preaching what we're preaching and understand why we believe what we, we believe. Don't just take my word for it. Prove me in this. I have been diligent to present myself approved to God and for you guys to give an accurate account to each one of you. I study this book constantly. And we should do the same to others. Proper theology is what keeps us in line with what God wants from us. So that we don't start believing other things. So that whenever we start straining off and we start thinking, well, maybe I could do this. Maybe, maybe God wants me to do this. We say, no, proper theology says that we need to believe this. Because this is what scripture says. There's no black and white. There's no gray areas in this, in this context. It is the essence of our belief system. It is the source and the mandate by which we live. Proper theology in scripture. I cannot stress that enough. So we're going to, first of all, tell people about the gospel. 
once you tell them about the gospel, then we're going to say, hey, live in life together. Notice I didn't say lead them to Christ and then live life with them. Live life with them even before they're led to Christ. Don't worry about leading them to Christ. That will happen in their own time. We don't have to make them say a prayer or anything like that. Believe me, they will know when they are led to Christ through you sharing the gospel with them, living life together with them. Um, what was the other thing? Else? <laughs> um, show them proper theology, explaining to them when you get together and knowing what you're talking about and showing them. And then the fourth thing is simple. Repeat it. Just repeat it. A lot of people think, oh, I got my one guy that I'm pouring into. No, you need to be pouring into every single person that you can. Everyone you need is a disciple. And you need to be able to make them there. They're the mold of a disciple. You can mold them and form and shape them. Our purpose in life is to make disciples of everyone. Like uh, Matthew 28, 19 says, go out and make disciples, baptize them, and make them to all the nations. So I want to ask you guys this, beloved church today, let me ask you, what do you believe your purpose is? Do we believe that we have a, a life of self-content, self-gratifying, selfish ambition type life where it's all about what God can do for me and how my life is lived and what I deserve and what I need? Or is it a life that says, I want to live a life that builds up the kingdom of God by making disciples of people? We know what the world says. We know what God's word says now. Now what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. God, we are so thankful uh, for the cross. We're so thankful for all that you have given us, and we're so thankful for you being able to make a way for us to have a relationship with you, even past the point of death and sin. And God, as we, as we near uh, Easter Sunday, we near Resurrection Sunday, may we just reflect upon that and give thanks for that. God, there's so many people who don't know your word and so many people who may be suffering and, and don't understand um, or may be lost from you. God, we just pray for those people today. God, they may make the choice to surrender to you. They may make the choice to live a life for you, Lord. God, use us to bring that word to them. Your Bible says, your word says that how beautiful the feet of those who bring the good news. God, thank you for allowing us the honor and privilege and responsibility to bring the good news to people. Lord, take care of us this week. Leading into Easter, may we have an amazing Easter service filled with love, community, and just a passion for people. Christ, let me humbly pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause.